Good evening and welcome to Robin and Stephanie's Crimeaholic Podcast. Say hi, Steph. Hey. So tonight we are doing a local crime that happened in Winona. They call it Dever Township. Um, his name is or was Richard Feaster and another one goes to jail and changes his name. It's now Sean Kenny. So he was born on April 27th, 71. So he's the same age as me. He was from Woodbury Heights. He was 22 when the murders occurred and he went to Gateway High School and played football. I think he graduated the year before me. So he graduated in 1989. He was sentenced to death for the shooting of 24 year old uh, family Texaco employee. So so he was 22 and the employee was 24. Him, he was a gas station attendant. His name was Keith Donahue. Mm-hmm. Um, he shot him to death with a sawed-off shotgun to rob him for $190 on October 6, 1993. And it was a single gunshot to the head that caused the death because it was at close range. Yes. So the defense argued that he was unable to control his impulses. <laughs> Find my glasses. <clears throat> so uh, that he was unable to control his impulses. The prosecution argued saying that the facts of the case will show it was the result of an intelligent planning. The barrel of the gun had been placed up against his face and the bullet entered the side of his face, blowing his teeth out and then destroying his brain before exiting the back of his head. That is a little graphic. Yeah. Um, I thought so. I was like, damn. So he received life for that case. Mm, no, he received the death death penalty for that one. He got life for the second one. That's okay. What I so, before the murderer, uh, Richard Feaster had left Columbia Cafe in National Park, armed with a sawed-off 20-gauge shotgun. Him and a companion talked about collecting a debt and they borrowed a car and eventually returned to the bar later that night. Others said he was on drugs and they could see white powder around his nose. The investigation did not immediately lead to him. On October 31st, 1993, a gas station attendant, Ronald Pine, was 55 at the time and he was working alone at the amico gas station on route 45 also in winona 
which is Depper Township, and he was brutally stabbed more than 40 times and his throat was slashed. Feaster robbed him of $50. It was rumored that he was trying to get cash to pay for his girlfriend to get an abortion. Did you know that? I did not. <laughs> and he received. I didn't know he had a girlfriend, but I didn't know all that. So he received the life for that case and death for the, the shooting case. So eventually his bar buddies came forward with information about the killings. The shotgun used was located and Feaster was charged with both murders. He was sentenced to death for the shooting murder and pled guilty to the stabbing murder. Okay. Testimony revealed that Feaster told a jail cellmate he wanted to feel what it was like to kill somebody. And to this day, he still sits on death row and his name is Sean Kenny. So I read that the trial was moved from Gloucester County to Salem County, but they got jurors from Cumberland County. Right, because they couldn't, um, because the the case was all over the news and being like in that town, everyone knew, you know, who, who the victim was. So it was really hard for them to find jurors within the county that were going to be impartial. So they moved it to uh, Salem County. And they also uh, did both murders separately and they were trying to get uh, jurors that didn't know about the second murder. All right, which that was in um, but nineteen ninety six is when it actually the trial looks like. Uh, yeah, so it started on two twenty eight ninety six and was over by three fifteen ninety six. Right, and the penalty phase lasted a week. Right, so, uh, um, so the Texaco gas station is the one. On Ogden Road. So the one on Ogden Road is uh, the guy he shot. Right. So a lady named Dana pulled up at the Texaco to get gas. There wasn't an attendant. So she pulled up to check the chair to see if he was sitting there. And she seen the chair was knocked over and seen a body on the floor. So she was scared and drove away. Another frequent customer, John, pulled up, filled his kerosene container and went inside to pay and seen the body on the floor. He went right across the street to 7-Eleven and called the police. And to this day, that gas station was leveled and it's still up for sale all these years later. So the motive was robbery. He took $191.32 out of his pocket. They said it was premeditated robbery because there was money in his other pocket. So he only checked one pocket. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like there was money in the other pocket. Hmm. 
So the other murder that occurred on Halloween of 1996 uh, to the other gas estate, uh, gas station attendant in Winona, that one is on 45. So Ogden Road connects into 45 and there's a gas station on that corner. I think that's where the second gas station was. And the owner put up a $5,000 reward for capture and a local gas company also offered a $5,000 reward. Feaster's girlfriend, Kelly, called a local attorney, Joseph Hoffman, which everybody knows him, to talk about what she knew. Her friend, Tina, also told what she knew. Apparently, Feaster was telling people what he did. He said he messed up big time, and he told someone he can't believe that he blew that man's head off, and there were brains everywhere. And right, even that night, like, when he went back to the bar, like, he was uh, running kind of, his like, mouth. bragging about it and was kind of like, make sure you watch the news, make sure you watch the news, and was kind of like, I can't believe I did that, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, so there were two different drivers that dropped him off near these gas stations and then waited for him. So they claimed they didn't know anything that um, Feaster said he was going to get money that his boss owed him. Mm -hmm. So Michael Mills may have drove the car to the first murder or that's what i read yeah like he, they left the bar together and he drove the car or feaster confessed to him later and he ended up committing suicide i saw that in 1994 yeah um he was found hung on his his front porch huh. but feaster told someone that his dad took care of mills However, it was ruled a suicide. So, who knows? Court papers said that Mills drove the car, took Feaster to drop the gun over the bridge in Woodbury Creek. They call that White Bridge. But we go kayaking there. Oh, damn, really? Yeah, we've been kayaking there a couple times. But before his death, he led authorities to where the gun was located. The other driver also attempted suicide in jail. That's what I was trying to find out. You're talking about Michael, right? Michael uh, Sadlowski? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. So he attempted suicide in jail. Okay. But neither one of them were charged with any crime, but... If you're committing suicide and attempting suicide, I'm going to guess you had some kind of connection in it. But that's, again, my beliefs, my opinions, my research. So right. I, I don't know. So they found the shotgun located in Woodbury Creek. And the knife in the second case was located in Feaster's backyard. Someone said it was buried in the yard. But I don't no, 100% if that's true. Uh -huh. So he also had a wound on his hand that he went to the hospital for that night. And that's also how he got tied in to the second murder. 
from the knife that he used to stab him. He cut himself. So Feaster said he was going to get money that his boss owed him. And that's why he borrowed the car and got a ride there. When in reality, he didn't work at either gas station. Right. So his father was in the hospital during the court proceedings, also from an attempted suicide. Really? Like, what the hell is going on? And so they did numerous psych testing on Feaster. He had a very low IQ. They said he had brain damage from falling off a truck as a kid and from having concussions from playing football. And then they said that his father was an abusive alcoholic that was verbally abusive to Feaster and his mom and from all the above that he couldn't control his impulses. His mother, Kathleen, testified and said that his father, Richard, was verbally abusive and slapped him around for years. She begged the jury not to give him the death sentence. His mother later died in 2017 at the age of 70. Her maiden name was Kenny. So now we know uh, how the name he picked that new name. But I, I don't understand. This has to be, what, the third or fourth podcast we're doing where these inmates get to change their name. What the yeah, hell is crazy that? crazy because if you Google are felons allowed to change their name, it, it, a lot of it says no, they're not. So not really sure how or what. I mean, that might be something to look into further, but how or, or why they're allowed to. Um, it's really weird. It is. I don't understand. And... I don't, maybe it's just because we're doing these local crimes that, you know, we see this happening so much, but I don't right. see it on other crimes. Maybe it's not talked about or nobody's looking into it. But the dumb thing is they change their name and right on their, their rap sheet on the website, it says AKA and tells you the other names. So, I mean, it's not like they're ever going to really get away from the original names, you know what I mean? Yeah, so because it's still attached to them. Right. But it's weird because, like, he didn't change his name until 1999. Wow. I found that. It was September 27th, 1999 is when he um, took the name change, and it took effect on October 30th of 1999. Okay, and I'm just a little tired of this shit that his father was an abusive alcoholic. So was mine. I am not out killing people. Well, so, yeah. So I've I had concussions. Was, yeah, like, she said that he was in sick. The abuse started when he was in sixth grade, and it got progressively worse through the years. And then I guess... Like, the defense argued that he had suffered from organic brain dysfunction that impairs his judgment and makes him act impulsively, um, caused by blows to the head he received from abuse. They even brought on a neurologist that testified that the brain waves are consistent. Yeah, and I know that With the frontal lobe damage part, which is the part that would impair judgment and impulsive behavior. They brought in a psychologist 
that says the bullshit. disorder clouds his ability to realize the consequences of his actions and drugs and alcohol worse than the condition, which obviously he was out at a bar that night, possibly doing drugs. So I think it's bullshit. I think it's bullshit. I mean, I think that's the defense most people go to when they commit a crime like this, unfortunately, you know what I mean? Like they try to use the, you know, insanity defense or, or the, the poor defense me. or the poor whatever. Me defense. Poor me, poor me, poor me another drink. Right, right. Like how, okay, so nobody in their right mind or that has a mind can hold a sawed-off shotgun to somebody's face and then pull the trigger <laughs> And he knew what he was doing because I think I read there he only had like one bullet. Yeah, that's that's what I read. It was only one bullet. So, I mean, that's premeditated. If you're only going there with one, that's that's premeditated in my book. Yeah, in my book it is too. I mean. And some of the papers I read said that he had been scouting out the gas station. Oh, I didn't read that. Um, so he scouted it out to see, you know, um, when somebody was there, when there was more than one person there. So that's, it's premeditated. Right. You know I mean? But the fact that when he went back to the bar, like the one girl, um, she, you know, overheard him talking to um, Michael Mills and Michael Sedlowski that, you know, he can't believe that he killed that guy and he didn't get any money. Yeah. Like, he was kind of bragging about it. Um, he wasn't being shy about it at all. No, so, I don't know. Yes, he's he's fucked up in the head. Yes, I totally agree on that. But is it because his father was an abusive alcoholic? Absolutely not. How many parents are abusive alcoholics to their spouses, to their children, in general, and... How many of those commit murder? Like, no, right. that's, that's. Well, bullshit. I read, I mean, I did read, I don't know if you read this too, that I guess he was going to be joining the Marines. So he had said that before he joined the Marines, he wanted to um, see what it felt like to kill a person. Yeah. But, okay. Like, who does that? <laughs> so you were, he was 22. So why didn't you join the Marines right out of school if your father was so abusive? Right. So I don't know when the parents got divorced, but eventually they got divorced. Both of them have passed away since. But the father tried to commit suicide. This whole this whole case, they were trying to, to pin on the dad. Um yeah, I it I mean basically saying that it was his abuse that caused him to act out in this manner. Right. Um, I don't know any of the other details because I didn't come across that about the um, uh, saying that his, maybe his dad had something to do with Mills' suicide or yeah. attempt, you know, whatever. And I forget where I read that, but it was in two or three of the court documents um, where he I said, mean, those court documents were, like, really long. I got to yeah. meet half of it. <laughs> it was like a whole ream of paper printing that out. 
Right, I know. I was like, oh, let me do this one with here at work. His father took care of it. So because this is local, you know, I know people that know about this case and what have you. And it was rumored that he was trying to get money to pay for his girlfriend to have an abortion. And it was rumored that the father is the one that killed uh, Michael. So I I don't know what's true with that. Again, it's a rumor. Right. But they ruled it a suicide. So he was found hung on his own front porch. So I don't know if he lived alone with family or what. But what the hell? Like, go do it inside. Like, why are you out there? All your neighbors and everything. Like, Like, I kind of feel like maybe that's... I feel like if if he did do it himself, obviously that's not something that he probably would have done. I mean, I don't know. I didn't know him, obviously. But like, why would you do that on your front porch for like everyone that drives by to see? I feel like that's something you would kind of hide. So I kind of feel like doing it in that manner out front was maybe setting it as an example. Like, don't. Yeah, that's kind of how I would take that. Because, like, You know, I I know a couple people that have committed suicide. It has been alone. It has been private. It has been in the house or in a building or in a room or whatever. It's never. No. Okay. I'll take that back. I do know someone that did it outside in the woods. Yeah, but it's not. But it was in the woods secluded. It wasn't like on a, you know what I mean? It wasn't out in front of, I mean, to me, a woods can still be private and secluded because yeah, I mean, there's people that do it out in the woods all the time, but it's more, it's still private out there than on your front porch. Yeah. Like what is that? So I do believe that, that that's not natural. I mean, suicide's not natural either, but if you are going to, you know, kill yourself, you're not going to do it on your front porch. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that was like, that didn't, mm -mm. but I did find it really weird that in this one case, there was two attempted suicides and one that was successful. Right. Like I've never seen that was that much suicide in one case i mean they were young but they all were out of high school they were all legal drinking age so when did young when did um the one in jail when did he attempt um because he he's been a prisoner in bayside for a little while who that michael sadlowski uh, let me see if I have. So he was basically so that person was they had him and um, Richard had been friends all through all high school. They played football together. They hung out. He was he is the one that when Beaster came back to the bar when they finally left the bar, he drove him. Yeah, no, back to his apartment, and that's when he was in the car being like, "You got to watch the news," and they could hear it on the radio and. And he knew from that night that he was acting strange and he was just so hyped up about what he had done. So I only have uh, Michael Mills when he did it. I don't have Feaster. Uh, I guess he was 
I don't know. Was he being held for an accomplice in one of these murders? No. So I think I read somewhere that he was in there for something else. Like he was in there for robbery and something else. But I mean, his testimony was kind of damaging in, in, um, I think, the conviction of Richard because, I mean, really the prosecution had no actual physical evidence Except for the gun and the knife. Yeah, but I don't think that was not they I didn't read where they had any physical evidence. Like they couldn't link the gun and the knife to him. The gun had been in the whatever. Yeah, the lake. In the lake, so there was no way to really trace it back. Like you couldn't link him to those weapons. Now I didn't read where the the knife was found on his property. That is I didn't see that. I just know from one of the court cases where he was trying to do the post-conviction relief, you know, that they all do, like that they didn't get a fair trial and blah, 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 uh, um, that they had no direct physical evidence to link the defendant to the murder. Yeah, because it seems like this case had a lot of he said, she said bullshit. Right, exactly. So, like, the two girls, um, and it was rumored that they were just doing that for the $10,000 reward money. But his girlfriend said right off the bat that, you know, the way he was acting and everything that she thought that maybe he was connected because he said something like we have to go home and watch the 11 o'clock news. And, you know, he got all tuned in when it came on TV. So she said that she thought he had something to do with it. But here we go again with another case where another girlfriend or family member thinks this and doesn't do anything. She did not do anything until a reward was, you know, put out. Yeah, because I had read somewhere it was like a month or so before they even came forward and spoke to the police about what they that they thought they knew. Right, and the reward I think was only to be given. If that person was convicted, it wasn't just for you saying something or you turning someone in, it had to lead to a conviction. So I don't know, you know, of course, nothing tells you if anyone got that reward. Right. But, and it was the two girls. So the other girl, Tina was one of the other guys, girlfriend. Yeah. That, uh, Michael Sadlowski. So. I don't, I don't know because, because it's so close, there was a lot of rumors, you know, um, about, about the whole thing, about the suicides, about why he was robbing these gas stations for money. Um, of course the internet's not going to tell you, you know, that his girlfriend was pregnant and wanted an abortion. It's not going to say nothing like that, but it's also not discounting that. So is it true? Who knows? As with any rumor, you know, you just, you don't know. Right. But I don't, I don't understand how, like, how do you kill someone 
put the gun to their face, blow their whole damn face off, their teeth out and everything else. And there's brain matter all over the place and blood. How do you go to the bar after that? Like, aren't you traumatized? Like, I'd be sitting in a corner like, crying not. and sucking my thumb. Right. How do you go back to the bar and drink with your buddies and laugh and carry on? And... To me, that shows no remorse and you're just a cold, callous person. Right. And it shows me that you, you know, that that was premeditated and that you're not as damaged as all of those doctors said you are. You can't tell me you can't play those tests out or you can't play them doctors. I mean, probably. I mean, I think, I mean, depending on, I mean, everybody's different, obviously. I mean, some people can play it out. Some people can't. Some people would break down, like, who knows? How was your IQ so low, but you graduated high school a couple years before that? Did you get that stupid in a couple of years? Did high school push you through, like, because you played football? Like, how did that occur? Yeah, who knows? It's crazy. He was borderline retarded. So, no, see, I didn't read that. How do you graduate high school like that? No child left behind, man. Yeah, because they said his IQ was so, so low that he was like borderline retarded. Mm. Then how did you graduate high school? Bad. Yeah. And how did you graduate high school on time? Like you never had to repeat a year, nothing. Right. He probably had people helping him. Yeah. And because he was a football player, who knows? Some of the doctors that did his uh, psych testing, like I know of one and the one I know, um, I don't know how to say this, will push the report however Uh, you want it. However they want it. By who's who's paying more or or what you're getting out of the deal. So I don't 100% trust those tests. And, you know, we're both in the medical field. And, I mean, they're doing these tests by these ridiculous questions or ridiculous pictures. It's It looks like spaghetti. What do you see? I see a spaceship. Oh, my God, he's damaged. Like, right, right. You know what I mean? There's, there's nothing you can really... There's no psychological testing that can really prove that in, in my opinion. No, I, I agree. I mean, unless you just, I mean, because I don't know. It even names, I think people can play crazy. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. And they, right. it even names some of the tests they did. And if you look up those tests, they're stupid tests. They're ink blots. What do you see? Or it's it's a little girl standing on a bridge. Tell me a story. She's going to jump over the bridge. Remember that other podcast we did, uh, LaToya? Oh, yeah. Remember her having those mm-hmm. psych testing done? Yeah. It was the right. same thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, look at this picture and tell me, tell me a story about this picture. Oh, uh, right. And everything she said was like real sick and twisted. Yeah. So mm. how can you say how a person is by such stupid random testing? 
Yeah, like, I, I agree. Don't, yeah, I don't go for that whole thing. And I don't go for his IQ was that low because how did you graduate high school a couple years before that? with a diploma. Um, I didn't read anywhere where it said he was in special education or had an IEP or anything like that. So I'm just not convinced by the testing. I think it was premeditated. I think he did it, uh, you know, willingly, joyfully, and went around bragging about it. And it wasn't until he was caught that, you know, he wanted to play, oh, I'm stupid. Right. I mean, he's been trying to fight it, though. Like, he's done lots of things, trying to get a new trial. Um, Yes, because he's on death row, wouldn't you? Well, that, but I guess there was something with that that Michael, whatever, that, you know, when he testified at the original murder trial, he recanted all of that and basically was trying to say that the prosecution made him say all that because they were threatening him with a charge that he was, they would lessen his charge if he did this and can, you know, gave this testimony and he wound up recanting it. So based on him recanting it, like this Richard Feaster tried to get a new, new trial with the new evidence that, you know, he recanted his testimony. So does New Jersey still do death? Or that's just a life sentence? I don't know, because he was sentenced to death by injection. But I don't think I don't think New Jersey's done um, a lethal injection in quite some time. Me neither. But if I was sitting on death row and I also had a life sentence after my death row, right. I'd be looking for any way out. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. It's not, it's not costing him a penny to run five more appeals. But it kind of it kind of makes you wonder, though, like, this testimony and everything that you see in these court papers is what people said that he said. Did he really say those things? Or were people just Yeah, but does that really... Because that... basically, it was really... It came down to, it's a he said, she said. And because of people's testimonies, that's what caused him to be convicted not because they had any physical evidence right but that was the first case he admitted to the second one yes yeah i didn't know that he admitted to the second one yeah because he didn't want to go through another trial so he pled guilty to the second one so that tells me he's guilty on the first one right probably definitely and you know they tried to discount the inmate well you know Oh, yeah, the inmate. Mm -hmm. Which they try and do in every case, but I don't know. What would an inmate gain by telling that whole story? And the inmate even told them, like, where he threw the shotgun. So, obviously, he had to know things if the police didn't even know where the shotgun was but this inmate did obviously you know the murderer said something to him because you're not just going to pull that out of the sky right so it looks like it says the last time the death penalty was used in new jersey on december 17 2007 new jersey abolished the death penalty oh yeah so what does that mean for people who already got convicted prior to that like they're not going to do it 
So we're just going to feed and house this one. I forever. was just going to say, like, so why do we got to pay for that? Yeah. <laughs> I, move them to Pennsylvania. I mean, whatever. Right. But so you have death and you have life and, you know, you're going to live out your days in jail. You're not really getting death. Oh, good old John Corzine signed that into effect in 2007. Nice. And then the girl was saying that um, the gun was in that duffel bag and she, that duffel bag was in the trunk of her car, but she never questioned what was in it, but she thought there might have been a gun in it. Well, then why the right. hell would you need that in your car? That. <laughs> if I thought somebody had a damn gun in my car and committed a murder with it, like, what, what, no. Right. People, I guess, just don't think sometimes. But I did think it was funny that one of those court papers said that when he went back to the bar, that people were saying that he had white powder around his nose. Like, right. So, I mean, like, he was probably obviously doing drugs and drinking that night heavily but why would it be so obvious like i have never walked into a bar in all my days of being in bars and seeing anybody with white powder on their face you somebody know what wasn't I mean? dumb and wiped their nose when they were done snoring that's all <laughs> like, like how dumb can you be i mean and it, who knows? i'm trying I, to think that columbia cafe is that the one um, off of 45 in Woodbury, uh, I'm trying to think of where that, that is. You think it's still there? I do. And some of these places are pretty trashy to begin with, but it's probably not called Columbia Cafe. Because... Sorry, I didn't mean to cough. If it's the same cafe that I'm thinking of, that's the cafe that my dad was mugged in. Hmm. I'm just... Hmm. Did you find it? I don't it? see one. Um, Columbia Cafe is located at 304 Grove Road National Park. So, no, it's not the same one I'm thinking of. That's the one on the way to Red Bank Battlefield. So, I think it's still there, but I don't think that's the name anymore. Oh, uh, that's what I was going to say. I wonder if it's this name. But, you know, as they do with everything, once something bad's associated with it, they want to quickly change, change the name. Oh, yeah, yeah. obviously. And I don't want no bad juju. <laughs> and if it's the place I'm thinking about, it, it, it was no place to be hanging out anyway. And right. what hung out there was exactly what we're reading about in this crime. It was, like, trashy. It was a lot of drugs there. Um, you know, it exactly like this whole case portrayed it to be. Right. 
But so both of his parents have passed. You up? Both of his parents have passed by now. So yeah, I did read that. Where does he think he's like all these appeals and shit? What what for? So here's my thing too. I don't know if you read this too, but I think it was in the article where um, the mom. It was the article about the mom pleading for his life or whatever the case may be, um, saying that you know he was abused. But I thought I had read somewhere too that because he was a football player. Like, his dad kept all of, even though his dad never came to the trial, I guess he, like, read a statement or something like that, and it brought tears to Richard's eyes because his dad was so proud of him and the things that he did as a football player, but then yet he was abusive. Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. But did you read that, too? Or I, I like, did, yeah. Okay, okay. But, like... In my case, my dad was an abusive alcoholic. Um, it was, he was only an abusive alcoholic when he was drunk. Um, he was not abusive to me and my brother. He was very abusive to my mother, but not me and my brother. So I do sort of get that because if he's sober, he's a... Nice guy. Once you put the poison in them, total asshole. So right. I, I do, I do get that. They they lead to lives a lot of times. True. You know what True. I mean. The sober person and the drunk person. So I do yeah. understand that. But I also read where his father, you know, is the one that that pushed him to do these sports and to keep up with it and to practice and be the best you can be. Um, so that's a lot on a kid too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But back to my same old story. I don't care how you grew up. It does not make you a murderer. It does not. I don't care if your father abused you, your mother abused you, the whole school abused you. That does not make you a murderer. You have two options. You can either be better than or you can keep leaving, leading that life. I do feel though. And, you know, I do think though, some people who are murderers, there's just something in their, in their makeup that makes them who they are, whether it's the way they grew up. I mean, there's, you would never, some people didn't have that abuse background or whatever the case may be and are still, murderers right i just think it's i think there's just something in their chemical makeup that sometimes makes them go like snap or but i think in that something in that scenario i think that you see red flags in childhood like they're killing pets or you know they're they're being a bully or they're in fights at school i don't think it's something that clicks at 22 and makes you a murderer like he wasn't in trouble before that you know what I mean? Right. So why at 22 years after high school, and I don't know when his mom and dad broke up, but at 22, you don't have to live at home in, in that environment if you don't want to. So right. I don't know if his parents were still together or not, but why would that kick in at 22? They tried to say because he was doing, you know, street drugs or whatever, but 
I don't, I, I don't go with that. It's just against my core. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's definitely, you know, everyone's story is different. Um, but I mean, there's definitely social factors and, and genetics or something that makes somebody a murderer. I feel like. And did you what read I, in the papers where, uh, so he kept saying that, he got these guys to take him to these around these gas stations, they say. And he went in and committed the crime, took whatever money he could get, left, got back in a car. Well, when you got back in a car, you were obviously bloody. So don't tell me that guy didn't know, A. But. Yeah, I mean, that was my other thing. Like, how do you go back to the bar and not have blood all over you? It's, I think it said somewhere he had went back to his apartment and got changed. Oh, really? But again, change. Like, would you need a shower and bleach? Like, how do, I, I don't understand how anyone can get past seeing brain matter. Like, I would still be devastated today from 1993 had I seen that. <laughs> like, I would be devastated forever. Yeah, I guess he was trying to prepare himself for going in the Marines. Who knows? Yeah, but, I mean, come on. Like... Do you really think you're going in Marines and you're going to see brain matter? And don't I mean, you think that the Marines train you like you just don't go to a gas station and blow somebody's well, head off? Like, so that tells me right there that he's demented. I don't think right. there's anything psychologically wrong with him besides he's fucked in the head. So... I don't, I don't, I don't really know too much, and I didn't watch the Ted Bundy files, but I just Googled in it, and Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer are two of the famous serial killers that um, grew up in healthy households with supportive family members. Well, what about last week? (laughs) The uh... oh yeah, he grew up in a Christian household. Yeah, and his dad was a pastor or some something like that. So I don't think you're a product of how you're raised. I mean, in my case, and I'm not saying I was abused because I was not. Um, I wasn't physically abused. But in my case, from a, a young teenager, I already knew in my mind that, of course, I was going to get married and I was going to have kids and I was going to give them better than what I had. Right. So you can either stay in that unhealthy environment and live that unhealthy environment, or you can choose to do better than. And that was my goal was to give my children more than I had, not just financially, but, you know, stably, mentally, you know, emotionally. And I think you did a fine job. Oh, thanks, boo. (laughs) But so like these cases, like sometimes they can really get to me when they say shit. It was because his father was an abusive alcoholic. Well, so was mine. (laughs) And I'm not out killing people. Like, no, that's a bullshit excuse. You have enough frontal lobe matter to not do that. 
Yeah, like that's such a bullshit excuse. <laughs> and I've seen these tests and they are absolutely ridiculous. Uh-huh. I mean, if you if you put me and you in a room and showed us these pictures, me and you would have different answers. Does that right. mean one of us is crazy and one's not? No. No, but again, those tests can be like, if I if I accidentally killed somebody and they gave me that test and I was trying to get off to say I was crazy, I'd be like, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. I see blood. That's uh-huh. spaghetti pile. It's exactly. blood and that's brain matter. Like you can you know what I mean? I don't I don't believe yeah. in those tests. I really don't. Yeah, I don't either really. And I don't know what is the test for your IQ? Like is it a written test? Because <laughs> I'm not really sure. I feel I feel like there's a lot of different things. Like there's probably like analytical questions or having to um problem solve solving different things, problem solving skills comprehension You're different like, things I don't like even that know what that test is so and again you can fudge that test too you can yeah, so like it's a lot of nothing. different like problem solving like number series and like look at this picture which one comes next kind of thing and yeah and i don't i don't fall for it he was 22 he had graduated high school um he graduated gateway which you know there's nothing out there the gateway is just pushing kids through school or pushing kids through sports um he graduated the same time I graduated and we had to uh, take that high school proficiency test and you had to pass that before you could graduate and you weren't allowed to play extracurricular sports unless you had decent grades. So I don't fall for this shit. But I will tell you just because, you know, I have children who excel in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times student athletes are given extra help as far as like maybe tutoring or sometimes, I mean, I'm not saying this with my kids cause I feel my kids are pretty intelligent, but, um, I do know like where instances where, you know, kids maybe get grades they shouldn't get because they are student athletes, like, you know, the big state championship games coming up and we need him in that game, you know, right, but kind I don't of thing. Think, I don't <laughs> think he was that great of a player. I mean, I don't know. I didn't go into his football history or, or you know. Yeah, because it's whatever the case he, he played football. But, I mean, if you were 22, obviously you didn't get a scholarship. Or you wouldn't be sitting in a bar in National Park. Right. Um, so I don't know that he was that good. And, you know, they can give you all that extra help. But, you know, damn right well, there's hard-ass teachers out there that are not going to allow um, to be persuaded to give them a decent grade because they want to be on the football team. Right. I mean, it depends if they're, you know, tenure or not. <laughs> so I just, I don't fall for the whole thing. I, I think he is guilty. I think he's where he should be. I really wish New Jersey still had the death penalty because I don't feel as though taxpayers should be paying for this for what? He's only 50. How long is he going to live? How long do we have to feed him and support him? Right, exactly. You have a death penalty and you have a life. So you're never, ever getting out. 
Like, never. So let me just keep feeding you forever. And again, I'm going to go back to my theory. You take a life, you give yours. I agree. I don't think all these guys should be sitting on death row. Like, especially like, I did read that he has a sister. Um, but I mean, obviously, his neither one of his parents are alive. So like, he really has no family except his sister. Yeah, I think he said his sister was from Mantua or something. And, you know, she continued on with her life and got married and had kids. And she's normal. She grew up in that same house. Right. You know, she's not out murdering people. Look at her. She's getting married and having kids. Right. But I get my point behind that was, though, like, why is he sitting there? Why is it to me you're wasting taxpayers' money? Exactly. And that may sound cr- cruel and harsh. You know what I mean? And every, you know, uh, and I, I don't just care. Don't feel like... I don't care if your mom and dad were still alive. You did what you did. So right. that's your problem, boo. All right. I agree. I mean, I, I think it's just a waste of money and time for everyone. Uh-huh. You killed two people for less than $250. Right. Like, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And I just thought it was odd that the first gas station attendant that he shot, he only took the money out of the one pocket. So they said when the body was, when they found the body, the one pocket was like exposed and he was laying on the other pocket. So he only took the money out of the one pocket that was exposed. Uh, like so he, he basically, so, well, so, okay. So to me, that's premeditated then because you basically didn't want to touch the body to leave any kind of evidence to roll him over to go look in the other pocket. Yeah. Nor did you give him a chance. Hey, give me all your money or I'm going to shoot you. You shot right. him first. Right. And then took his money. So, right. I, yes, it was premeditated. And the yeah, other like guy, he knew enough right to wrong. He knew enough from right to wrong to not to not touch the body. Yeah, like that's. And the other guy, you stabbed forty times. You mean to tell me nothing clicked in your head at any one of those times to say hey. <laughs> right? And he got fifty dollars. Right. You killed someone for fifty dollars. Like, damn, I know you're not smart. You don't have an IQ, but whatever made you think a gas station attendant? Banks got more money. Wawa's got more money. Like, why are you holding up gas stations? I mean, I in mean, today's no. day, when you're paying $5 a gallon, you could probably get some good money. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, you should have seen the lot of money the gas guy had at the little... You know, yeah, Indian gas day. station I went to the other morning and they're like, first second crossed my mind, like, man, I can take him down and take that lot of money. <laughs> but I didn't get out of my car and do it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was like, but, that's a really big stack of money. <laughs> what was gas in 1993? Probably like a dollar. Like, what God, did you think you were going to get? Probably less than a freaking dollar. Like, what did you think you were going to get? And it said that he scouted out these gas stations to see who, what, when, where, and timing. So it's all premeditated. So it was like a dollar seventeen. Yeah. In nineteen ninety-three. Yeah. So I know you're not bright. You're not the brightest crown in the box, but <laughs> gas station. Like, yeah. if, if I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going big. I'm going after a bank, boo. 
Right. How are you doing a gas station? Mm, yeah, definitely not that. Yeah. Unless it was worth my while. $190. Not worth my life. Sorry. Right. I'd rather take my chances playing the Mega Millions. <laughs> well, maybe he needed the 190 to buy lottery tickets. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what, to pay for the abortion. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you might as well just go to the fucking casino. You have better luck there. Yeah. I just just baffles my mind on... yeah for that little bit of money it really wasn't worth it yeah i mean not that anyone's life has a dollar amount on their head but this right. is just totally just stupid and senseless definitely definitely crimes. yeah so he added two murders he got less than 250 dollars. he got 240 dollars <laughs> So, basically, his own life was only worth $240. Basically. I mean, and now we have to pay more than that, what, a week to feed him and house him. Um, definitely. That's probably $240 a day. Yeah. So, who's getting punished okay, yeah. here? Him or us? Right. Exactly. Us. Yeah. I don't care. Us. So, any final words before we end this? No. I think we covered everything. Well, I need to do a couple shout-outs. My turn. Okay. Uh, I want to do a shout-out to Drew because he got married, and we're so happy for him. Yes, we are. And I want to do a shout-out to uh, my niece, Jessica, because she got engaged in Daytona Beach. So... Congrats, I, Jessica. I just want to say love is love. We support you. Yes, that's right. We do. And with that, we will end this podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Robin and Stephanie's Crimeholics Podcast. Feel free to drop us a line. Um, let us know how we're doing, how we could improve, or what crime you would like us to investigate. Yeah, if you have any ideas, give us some. Because any woman is better than FBI. That's right. We are. <laughs> and on that note, I want to say good night, everybody. Peace out.